This episode of The How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business in the car wash industry. Visit FocusedCarWash.com for more information. Welcome to The How of Car Washing, the podcast that helps the car wash owner, operator, and manager address the challenges and opportunities associated with building and running automated car washes in today's fast-paced environment. And now, here are your hosts, David Begin and Henry Lopez. Hi, welcome to this episode of The How of Car Washing with David Begin. My special guest today is Derek Kaufman, who's a transportation market and auto aftermarket expert with Swartz Advisors in La Jolla and Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, Derek's been in the automotive industry for, I would say, many, many years. <laughs> I'll just I'll kind of put it like that, if that's okay, Derek. Thank you. Uh, but, but really, really focusing on aftermarket technology, uh, did a lot of work in the heavy truck market, and is really focused on emerging technologies. He is a consultant right now for the International Car Wash Association. If you went to the the car wash show in Las Vegas this year, you might have had an opportunity to go to the educational sessions and hear him speak on emerging technologies. And I think that's something all of us car wash operators and owners are very interested in, trying to understand what the emerging technologies are, how does that affect our car wash operations, but also trying to take a look in the crystal ball in the future as far as where automotive technologies are going, with, particularly with autonomous vehicles and how that might affect our business overall. So, Derek, I'm going to let you kind of fill, fill in the blanks. Tell me uh, what you do with Schwartz Advisors and give a little bit about your background, what you've done in the past. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I am a managing partner at Schwartz Advisors, and you're right. We, we do uh, two different things. Uh, we, we track technology in the automotive industry to work with any number of different types of companies, uh, you know, collision shops, tire shops, uh, auto retail or parts retailers, those types of companies. And everybody wants to know where technology goes in the, in the next five years or so you know, to, to understand how to position themselves in the market. So that's one of our practices. The other thing that we do is merger and acquisition work. So people who want to buy companies or people who want to sell their companies you know, work with us to, uh, to get that marriage put together and maximize their value in the process. Well, it's really interesting work, and we we are ninety five percent auto aftermarket oriented. Uh, probably it's it's more correct to say it's a hundred percent, but we always leave that five percent open for you know different businesses to come in. Just in case, you bet. Uh, yeah. On my background, uh, you're right. I've been knocking around uh, the transportation industry for a lot of years. Uh, most of my time has been spent in heavy trucking, although I started at Chevrolet as a process manufacturing engineer. And then moved on to Euclid Trucks, uh, and then on to a vice president of marketing and product planning for Freightliner Trucks in Portland. Uh, in that role, uh, the Penske Truck Leasing was uh, a very large customer. I got a call from Roger Penske uh, one evening uh, and wanted to talk to me, and he told me the story about buying Detroit Diesel and offered me a job running one of the businesses that he bought in addition to Detroit, which was the diesel equipment company from Rochester Products. And uh, what that company did was make the injection systems for the Detroit diesel engines. So we moved from uh, Portland, Oregon to Grand Rapids, Michigan to, to take that role with the Penske organization and uh, ended up working with a lot of the European truck manufacturers uh, developing systems for them in addition to working with the Detroit diesel. Good, so good. 
Yeah, it's a really, really interesting work. Uh, and I've gone on to uh, you know, work in several different Penske uh, uh, companies uh, and uh, be on a few boards with uh, Roger and Penske Corporation. Uh, and I've had uh, my entrepreneurial stint, uh, started my own company to help people launch new products uh, in the industry, a company called C3 Network. And I've been running that since 1997. Uh, and then joined up with Schwartz Advisors as a managing partner and, you know, doing the M&A and the growth consulting work. Good, good. So for people who aren't familiar with the automotive industry, I know there's a lot of terminology that goes with it. So what would you call the Fords, the GMs, and the Toyotas? What is their term? So we, we refer to them as OEs or OEMs or vehicle manufacturers. So all of the above uh, apply. But if you hear me say uh, OE or OEM, we're typically talking about someone who manufactures and assembles the entire product. And then we talk about the suppliers to those companies as the tier one suppliers. Uh, so all the major components going into those companies are supplied by tier ones. Okay. So tier, tier ones go directly into the OEMs. Is there tier two and tier you three bet. suppliers? You bet. So the, you know, the, it goes, it cascades right down. So a, a tier one has a supplier. That's a tier two company to us because it's tier two to the OE. And uh, so we just march right back the uh, the chain that way. Okay. Does a tier two company supply OEMs or do they supply tier one companies? They typically are going right into the tier one companies. So, and you need a, there are small tier one companies, you know, $50 million companies that can be tier ones to Ford or GM. Uh, but typically the tier one companies are really large. Uh, and uh, the reason is that over you know, so many years, the the OEs, the vehicle manufacturers, have uh, offset their risk or have done risk mitigation by having their tier one suppliers pick up more of the risk. Uh, so you need a certain critical mass uh, as a company, uh, you know, in order to handle that kind of liability. Uh, so the tier ones tend to be really large companies and then tier twos in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Okay. Okay. And it just helps streamline their supply chain and their operations by dealing with just tier one companies. You bet. And then, you know, the OEs are concentrating on, on design, they're concentrating on branding uh, and concentrating on assembly. Uh, so it allows them to really narrow their focus. And, uh, you know, the result in the industry has been higher quality vehicles all the way around. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you specialize in aftermarket. So can of give us a definition of how aftermarket fits into this and I know you're a big fan of aftermarket because you think you believe and probably have seen that that's where most of the innovation comes from when it comes to automotive technology. But if you had to describe the aftermarket, well, how does that fit yeah, into the overall scheme? We do love the, the aftermarket. And, and we would say that uh, the aftermarket is any company uh, dealing with a vehicle uh, owner uh, after the period of the warranty of the, the vehicle and uh, where you're typically into the dealership, uh, which is uh, an OEM association. And, okay. the fa you know, the fact is, uh, if you take a look at the 270 million cars on American highways now, the average age of them is 11.6 years, uh, which means there are a lot of 10-year-old, 15-year-old, 20-year-old vehicles out there. And the fact is that a, a brand's reputation really rides on the aftermarket to keep that car on the road and uh, dependable. And you're right, we do love the market, uh, the aftermarket, because it's such an innovative group of people uh, to, you know, take all the changes that are happening to the industry and just keep on 
moving forward uh, as as business owners. Uh, they have a lot of you know they've a, a big percentage of their own personal cash at risk, uh, and that makes you very innovative. Yeah. And the last time we saw each other was in San Diego a couple of weeks ago. We had the CE, the Excellence Summit, and uh, you gave a presentation there. And you were discussing the fact that uh, most things that we'll talk about today are available to existing car owners uh, through the aftermarket uh, channels. Yeah, one of the things we were talking about was telematics. And uh, people tend to think about uh, all the embedded uh, technology in a, in a vehicle today. So you have you know, the dashboard that you can touch and talk to and uh, roadside assistance that uh, you can dial up, you know, on, uh, inside your car and, and all the location-based services uh, using GPS. Now, the fact is that all of those avail are also available through third-party aftermarket companies. And uh, with the OBD2 port in the, in the vehicle, uh, a module that goes into that port can track a vehicle just like embedded software can. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of great technologies happening all those ways. I'm I'm always excited. I'm a technology person. I'm an early adopter of technology. Been accused of that for many many years. <laughs> Having a, a, a software technology background, but I love technology, especially in the automotive industry because it makes it's making the process for us to drive a vehicle much safer. We're getting a lot more information available to us, and it's just making the process easier. And 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 again, focusing on safety, I think is is a big part of that overall. It really, it really is, and and you know, cars are are adopting software. I think the the, the number now is a hundred million lines of software code on a typical vehicle, and the, the fact is that that cars are being rolled out at CES in Las Vegas rather than the the auto shows, uh, and it's because they're rolling computers, and uh, the, you know the uh, the fact the fact is that uh, the application of vehicles and like you say the, the the safety equipment that we're about to talk about uh really comes from a software base so um it's it, it's made the industry better uh it's made vehicles better all the way around yeah yeah so let's talk about what you're doing with the ICA i think we hired you or we found you maybe about a year ago uh through one of our board members at a at a meeting or a conference and we were desperate to try to find somebody who could advise car wash industry, the car wash industry, when it comes to what's happening in terms of emerging technologies in the market. And uh, through that process, you did a survey for the ICA. Do you want to give us a little bit of history on the survey you did for car wash owners and operators and the information that you found out? Sure. And, and this has been such a great project. We've just loved uh, getting in with ICA and uh, learning about the, the industry and meeting the, uh, the, the car wash operators and the, the makers of the equipment. So the, the, the idea was that uh, the association was hearing from members about problems with cars with the new safety technology. We call it ADOS technology for Advanced Driver Assistance Systems. Uh, we, we love acronyms in the industry, of course. So when you say ADOS, you're talking about the, the new safety, collision avoidance, lane departure, those types of things. And, you know, you began hearing these stories about uh, cars stuck in the middle of a tunnel because the collision avoidance system thinks that a rotating brush is an oncoming vehicle. Right. So it applies the brakes and the car behind it slams into it. So, uh, you know, you hear a story here and a story there and you, you think... It, it might not be a trend. Then you hear a few more stories. And as the association, you know, began to, to, to hear more and more from members, they said, look, let's, let's get into this and really study it. So we put together a survey. We had 245 
member org- organizations respond to the survey, uh, about representing about 500 locations. And it was, it was very telling. It was uh, very illuminating to, to understand that, you know, 61.2% of the organizations reported problems with transmissions, basically shifting themselves into park. If the car was in neutral and running and you open the door to vacuum it, the, the transmission automatically goes into park. And there were, you know, a whole list of numbers like that, 39, almost 40% having problems with the new stop-start systems, basically killing the, the, the engine and the car in the middle of the, the wash. Uh, 378 uh, with collision avoidance systems, as I mentioned. Another 378 said that keyless entries could be hit by the rotating brushes on the side of the car and lock the car. And typically, in a fully automatic wash, uh, the driver is obviously outside the, the vehicle so many times they don't have the key fob with them. They left the key fob inside the car. So yeah. now you have, yeah, now you have a, a car that you, uh, you, you can't get into. And of course, you know, it's been, a, it's been long known that the automatic wipers are uh, a big issue. I think we had nearly 80%, 78.9% of the uh, survey uh, respondees, uh, responders t- told us that uh, they had automatic uh, wiper problems. As soon as water hits, you know, the wipers come on and then the brushes rip the wiper off the post and, uh, and damage the car. So. Sure. It was uh, it was very interesting. We we did the survey online, but then we called a lot of the the, the people who responded to get more color on uh, what they told us, and uh, we were really uh, interested to to know how much these folks understood their customers and and just the details they knew about running their business. Uh, and you know they they said that twenty to thirty percent of car wash operators. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, 20 to 30 percent of the vehicles going through car washes uh, were causing the car wash operator to put an employee in them uh, to avoid these types of problems. So, you know, that begins to uh, be a dent in the margin of a car wash because you need more employees now, uh, you know, just to run your your operations. So it's a very real thing. Uh, We we came off this survey uh, recommending a, a three step action. Uh, working with vehicle manufacturers. So the, the, the first idea is to educate car wash operators so they can help vehicle owners uh, deactivate the systems. And most, uh, if not all, of the owner's manuals have this information in them. But, of course, people don't read their owner's manuals. That's to human nature. Sure. So, uh, you know, we, we, we created uh, and actually programmed a portal uh, to put that information on it. And we're going through the process now of getting the approvals of the vehicle manufacturers to use the owner ma- uh, owner manual because it's all copyrighted uh, information. And as you can imagine, that's uh, a laborious task, uh, just getting all those uh, agreements. But we'll get that and load that portal. And then we had two other ideas. Uh, one was uh, to suggest a, a common car wash uh, button in, in the vehicle, in the glove box, uh, that would deactivate systems for a number of minutes and then reactivate them automatically. So as the car left the lot, you know the systems are back on to lower the liability for the car wash operator. And then the the ultimate one, of course, is the telematic solution, uh, which says that the car simply 
senses uh, that it's in a car wash because there's a, a reader and a sensor inside the car wash. It tells the vehicle to deactivate its systems. It goes through. And then at the end of the car wash is another sensor that tells the vehicle it's leaving the car wash and it reactivates everything. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a big issue. We, we're working with SAE. Uh, we've contacted uh, the International Standards Organization. Uh, it all takes time, of course. But uh, uh, we we're keeping a good thought that we can uh, we can get some action here that uh, down the road you know makes makes better sense than what the industry has today. Yeah, good, good. This episode of the How of Car Washing is sponsored by Focused Car Wash Solutions. Focused Car Wash Solutions is your complete guide to having a successful business in the car wash industry. Whether you are a new investor or a seasoned operator looking to make improvements. The experienced team at Focus can help you every step of the way. For more information, please go to FocusedCarWash.com. So tell us a little bit about SAE. I know you've probably worked with them extensively over the years, but explain what that body does and what it does for the OEs and the Tier 1 people. And So the Society of Automotive Engineering uh, is a standards organization, and uh, if you want something that is done in a common manner or has a prescribed you know, design procedure to it, uh, you go through a, an SAE and, and you set up the, the they're called J codes typically. Uh, so they'll, they'll have a, a, a code number next to a standard. Uh, and uh, that way people are taking a common approach. Uh, it obviously requires the buy-in of, of all of the vehicle manufacturers in order to do it. So it's a, it's a time consuming process but it's it's the way that a lot of the electrical system, you know, other other uh, what they call CAN bus, uh, you know, the the vehicle architecture, communication architecture, it's all built to standards. So do, do, does every OE need to comply with SAE um, standards and guidelines, or can they do whatever they want? No, they they it in in many of the systems they need to comply to SAE, and 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 that's you know that that's a good thing for the industry. Uh, because it, it you know comes up with uh, uh, a, a set of guidelines that makes things a, a lot more common in the industry. So do, does the government force that? I just I mean, this is a curious topic for me, so I'll ask a few more questions. But does the government force that, or do OEs, OEMs, just typically have always complied? And how does that work from a domestic car manufacturer versus international? It's not a governmental organization, so it's it is a it's an industry or an industrial organization and it's a buy-in by the uh by the vehicle manufacturers and the the association uh itself the sae itself so uh it's it's worked for many years and uh it's it's just a, a great organization uh and it, you know it it its members are the engineers uh of uh vehicle manufacturers tier 1 tier 2 suppliers uh so uh you know, go to an sae conference and uh, you really get a very good understanding of of how systems are being designed. Okay, okay. And then, do international companies need to follow SAE guidance, or how does that work internationally? They they don't all have to, and that's uh, the uh, international standards organization comes into play to to try to get a a global uh, feeling of that. Uh, but it, th- those are broader standards typically, and um, uh, I don't believe I don't believe that. 
uh, a European uh, vehicle company needs to uh, adhere to an SAE standard, uh, but most of them do. Okay. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I didn't know a lot about that. It was kind of interesting. I want to go back to some of your statistics that you brought up, especially with the transmissions not being able to, uh, not allowing it to go into neutral. So as a car wash industry, we've sort of taken advantage of the way car cars have been built for, you know, 100 years or whatever, and which allowed a manual transmission to be put into neutral. And now car manufacturers, um, either we don't know how to do it or can't be put into neutral. Is there... Is there ever a reason for a transmission to be put into neutral other than the, that's the way they were built forever? Or is there something that we're not thinking of as car wash owners or car wash manufacturers that cars need to be in neutral? Well, it, it's typically, you know, with the the, uh, the the wrecker industry having more flatbeds now, it's not a big issue because almost all wreckers are these flatbed trucks that show up and just put your vehicle on the flatbed. But right. if you if you are in a situation where you have to flat tow a vehicle, obviously you need it in neutral to uh, to do that. And the the, the shift to park thing uh, has has been um, designed for the what they call the sudden start problems for a few years back, uh, where you had the stories of the cars driving themselves into swimming pools, you know, as they went through the back side of the garage. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that was it was typically you know somebody who uh, had the vehicle, uh, in, in neutral sitting in the garage and the car jumped into gear and it, it went forward. So, uh, now the, the transmissions are designed to sense that and they automatically shift themselves into park, but you're right. Uh, the, the, the number of, uh, times or applications you can think of that you actually put your car in neutral and leave it in neutral. It, it's very small. Uh, and yet, uh, it, you know, it's there. And uh, so, you know, the, what the designers have done is they've done this automatic sensing that uh, moves it into park. And obviously, as you're coming down the tunnel, that's a problem. Yeah, because yeah, car drivers have never really had to put it in neutral. So the real reason is for, was for towing purposes originally. And we've just taken advantage of that. Now that the technology is changing a little bit, um, you know, we're having to look at our car wash technology to decide are we able to make that that work or not? You you had another statistic I think you've said before. I'm not sure, but the percentage of car of uh, car owners understanding this technology and being able to put a car in neutral or being able to turn off some of the lane assist or lane departure I'm, automatic braking systems. Right. I'm not sure that I had a number on that, David, but I, I will tell you that. Uh, from from the surveys that we did and the calls that we made, and it it stands to reason that it's a very high percentage of, of people who have either not read the owner's manual uh, or found the the process of how the owner's manual was laid out too laborious to go through. Uh, we, we we went through many of the owner's manuals and their five step process for turning off your collision avoidance system or, or you're into multiple commands on a, uh, like a computer screen on the dashboard and people don't do that. Or a lot of people don't handle that well. And that's been the, uh, you know, that's been the issue add to the issue that you're in a line of vehicles you feel the pressure of all these vehicles behind you, and meanwhile, a loader is waving you, you know, into the tracks of an automatic loader, uh, and, the, and the pressure's on. So, uh, 
you know, the, the idea behind the education uh, portal is so that the loader can simply lean in the window and say, you know, your button for the, uh, uh, for the collision avoidance system is right there on your console. You know, push that off and then, you know, remind them at the end of the car wash to, uh, to, put, to put it back on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric Wolf, who's the executive uh, director of the ICA and myself, were in Germany uh, a month ago, and we had rented a car, and we were going through uh, a big car wash chain in Germany just to get the car wash to see what it looked like. And for us to turn off the the proximity sensors um, mm. was a challenge for us to do in a, I think it was a Mercedes A150 or something like that. But mm-hmm. just for us to find that button to turn off the proximity sensors and it wasn't a big deal it was just you know yelling at us every time a cloth, cloth <laughs> yeah. piece of cloth came at us and i think by the second car wash we finally got it shut off but that's a very simple tool of just sensors i mean think about you know automatic braking and proximity sensors and other things like that it can get very very complicated to find the off button but we we experienced that ourselves and how uh, how complicated because when you get in a car, especially a rental car, which is a big challenge for people nowadays, um, when you get in a rental car and you don't know, understand how the rental cars work with all this new technology, and for those of us who travel, it's going to become even more difficult if there's not a standard out there. What, what, what have the aftermarket, the OEs thought about when it comes to rental cars? Because that's going to be a big issue. Uh, the, the, the short answer is they, they haven't. And a lot of these systems, each system has its own shutoff. So uh, you might have stop start on the vehicle and collision avoidance and keyless entry, and uh, they're all shut off independently. So uh, I, I think the thing that that we've been somewhat surprised by uh, is that uh, the conversations have been very open, and uh, you know I, I think people have been genuinely interested at all levels of the, of the conversation. I mean the the vehicle uh, OEs, uh, but they they haven't they they just haven't considered uh, you know the the types of things that happen. Uh, for instance, if you buy a used car, is the owner's manual even in the vehicle? Uh, the, the chances are pretty high, actually, that they're not. Yeah, uh, that the, the owner's manual is not. So, you know, all these all these little uh, things add up, and uh, you know, I, I think down the road it'll it'll get better, and uh, you know, the reports will will increase here. We're just trying to accelerate that process so vehicle manufacturers, uh, you know, think about a more common solution. Absolutely, absolutely. So this is a great discussion, Derek. Thank you so much. I love this topic. You are so fascinating to talk to, and I'm glad to get the opportunity to to actually interview you and do a podcast. But looking forward to the next one and even more after this, because there's so much information on this subject, I think it would benefit our listeners and and benefit people in in the industry. So we'll look forward to next time and uh, appreciate your time, Derek. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of The How of Car Washing. And thanks to our show sponsor, Focused Car Wash Solutions. Please visit us at thehowofcarwashing.com for the show notes to this episode. Thank you for listening to The How of Car Washing. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofcarwashing.com and leave us a comment if you have a topic you would like discussed. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you next time on The How of Car Washing.